This is Norm. All right, hello there. This is Norm with your host Norm. Welcome to the show. It's a an audio blog, really the audio version of a number of my blog posts on my website that'snorm.com, where I will be exploring all kinds of things that interest me, that capture my attention. And in this episode, I want to do a little bit of a reflection on three time periods in my life uh, as given to me as a challenge. So at Becoming Critter on Twitter, wrote the following tweet, reply to this thread, and I will give you a small 30-minute project for less than 30 minutes. And I give you a project, you will be required to show the work. Otherwise, I will make a sad emoji. And this post is temporary. Not sure how popular this will be. So I replied to this and Critter gave me a prompt. Critter said, three years, five years, and 10 years. Make a list of how you have changed the most comparing to these intervals. That is, what are the major ways you've changed compared to three years ago, five, 10 years ago? which is a very interesting prompt. I'm not sure if I can even do it in less than 30 minutes. I feel like I can take, uh, talk a lot uh, about this. But I guess I should start off with the major ways I've changed compared from the, well, in reverse order, starting from 10 years ago. So if that is 2021 now, 2011 is when I have just finished up boarding school um, in high school and I moved to Australia to further my studies in university. I was starting up foundation year in UNSW, moved to Sydney, and I was in a lodge, a student lodge, living with like four to five other guys, sharing facilities, and you know how that goes, it's pretty messy. But I remember that I came out of a bad spell at that time. I was extremely depressed. A number of friends have already left that boarding school because they were on their way to greener pastures, a different journey elsewhere. So I lost a lot of friends, you know, a lot of distancing between them. And it was almost suicidal. I remember writing handwritten letters to people saying I'm going to miss them. And I remember looking down from the second floor to see how far it is before my head gets bashed in. So, you know, some strong negative feelings there. But I decided to want to do a reset to my life by going overseas, going to Australia and starting a new life with new people, a new chapter, really. And also, I was just, I wanted to be with my best friend at the time. So there was, you know, something attractive about that, uh, that made me want to do there. So I guess the big difference there is I had the bravery to reach out to or to want to capture a certain future where I want to be at a better place. I made the steps to want to arrive at a better place. And I wasn't sure how that better place looked like, but I remember it wasn't going to be at that school. So I moved away. And I guess nothing better for a heart reset than actually starting all over again with new friends and new people to meet. So I went to Australia. And I guess that was the start of my university life. And I bloomed a lot. My social skills, my interests. I was searching up new mediums to express myself through dance. I started capoeira. That was pretty fantastic. So I guess more avenues for expressing myself, which was fantastic. 
So the five-year interval, if we trace it back, that is, you know, 2021 minus five. So that's like 2016. 2016 is a very interesting year. So, you know, four to five years of uni. And one of those years is an exchange to Japan in 2015. And I came back to Australia in 2016. So that's probably where I can anchor that point. I grew up a lot between 2011 to 2016 in terms of responsibilities. I was, you know, president of a K-pop club or K-pop society in uni. I was managing all these events. I was trying to create all these games for people. I was doing dance covers. I was part of a dance crew. I was doing capoeira. And I was meeting all kinds of people. So my communication skills flourished during that time. And I grew up the most, especially when I went to Tokyo for a year. Once again, all kinds of people, new culture, a completely new language. And when you learn a new language, you create or manifest a new version or new character, a new version of yourself. And you strive to meet them, right? Learning a language is wanting to meet and talk with that person, that version of yourself, thinking in a different language each and every single day. It's the habit of staying friends with that person, right? <laughs> so realizing that and that that period of time finished and I came back and I am back in Australia. So there was a culture shock in coming back to Australia after being in Japan for so long and it was once again, um, missing a lot of friends, missing a lot of independence and freedom. It was, I think by that time, I, my, my passion for like K-pop and all that dwindled. And I came back to a very calm, stabilized, comfortable version of myself that I looked at everything in a very, I don't want to say stoic manner, but more like an accepted manner, a, an appreciative manner. I started becoming very grateful for a lot of things ever since my exchange. And then I came back and I was like, oh, I'm missing a lot of things because I miss a lot of my friends, my, you know, my second family over in Tokyo and everything. And I came back and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm in Australia to finish my degree. You know, I was stricken by the pressure of wanting to get a job. I was trying to send applications to Australian companies. They're like, no, mate, we don't, we don't provide you a visa. You're going to have to like get a few years of experience somewhere else. And then you can come into Sydney. I'm like, ah, shit, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, Australia had a lot to learn there, but I guess they really didn't want to have me there. <laughs> um, it was a closing of my studious life, right? That's huge. It's really huge. All of a sudden I'm faced with responsibilities as an adult, right? I had to do taxes. I had to, well, not taxes. I mean, I had to start thinking about business ideas and entrepreneurship and innovation and all of that. Um, but I remember still trying to return to that Japanese environment because there's a certain isolation when you are a foreigner in that kind of environment. And that gives you a level of freedom where society ignores you. So you're free to become as weird, as crazy as you want, or as insane as you want. Part of 2016 then ended up becoming, reaching out for ideas or reaching out for interesting events that tried to bridge the gap between my time in Australia and my time in Japan. So there was a boot camp 
an innovation entrepreneurship boot camp that I joined for like nine to 10 days. I went to, I came back to, cause like I, I graduated, um, halfway through the year and then, uh, you know, graduation stuff like that. And then after that, I boot camp. I flew back to Malaysia and then came back to Sydney again for that boot camp. And I remember, I remember catching a certain kind of fire in me because that nine, those nine to 10 days of your head down, trying to create something innovative, trying to bridge and trying to, you know, solve a problem in a different country, trying to make that, that work that I'm trying to, trying to weaponize that passion or trying to articulate that my, my insights into a product or package that was really exciting for me. Um, very, very exciting for me. And I think that led to that famous, well, I wouldn't say famous, that very memorable encounter with the homeless person. And I think I've written about this in a different post, so I'll see if I can link it here. But yeah, um, it was a acceptance of, it was an acceptance of the fact that I won't have a safety net under the guise of educational institutions anymore. And that I'm free to make an impact in however way I want to do it. So lots of wisdom found there. And the last one is three years ago. So that's what, 2021, 2020, 2019, 2018. 2018 was when I was with a previous partner who I loved dearly during the time. And this was around the time when I had quit my full-time job because I had predicted that I was going to be laid off. I decided to leave on my own accord and I just spent a lot of time doing freelance work and working uh, and being with this person. We were in a long distance relationship together and it was also relatively complicated. I was trying to find my own way of, well, connected to the five-year interval, um, creating an impact on the world, a visible impact. And podcasting became the thing as a side gig or a side, like a hobby the year before. And I started, you know, doing freelance writing and all that um, around podcasting that became my niche. And that started to hone in this year, in 2018. And this person at the time supported me throughout while she was doing her own things, um, not to go too much into her at the moment, don't really feel like it. But for on myself specifically, I think what I really liked about 2018 was that I was in a very safe place to explore what was possible for me. I know saying that would be very privileged, very, very privileged. And I don't want to ignore that fact. I have safety nets within the family that allow me to explore this. Not many people have that. I want to make the most and take advantage of this environment that I am in to create this career for myself. So in the midst or in the pursuit of trying to answer that question, you know, podcasting became the answer. And 2018 was when I made the conscious decision to go all in on podcasting. So that was pretty fantastical decision uh, of me right there. So you can see how it treads or it threads rather. In the beginning or like 10 years ago, I wanted to, 
I wanted to escape. I wanted to find or create a new chapter. I guess I was just trying to find myself, you know, be like, oh, right, I want to soul search all the way in Bali. Uh, and then from there, a few years later, I had my uni life and I found characters who I was willing to talk with or like interact with. And then I came back and I realized the power of impact and how much it has an influence on my meaning. So, you know, life on earth, that kind of thing. Like my mission as I exist, my mission as I live here on uh, these lands is the impact and to what extent will I be memorable to you, the listener, to my friends, to my loved ones, to my family. Finding the medium to allow that to thrive was difficult. I wasn't always a writer, right? But I liked to talk a lot. It was pretty evident. If you knew me in uni, you'd know I wouldn't shut up. <laughs> so the, the medium of podcasting became very clearly something that I aligned with. And even when I started my first show in 2017, and that was a narrative that was just me trying to narrate short story fiction that I wrote, that bled over to, hey, I want to talk to interesting people. And then 2018 became the conscious decision to actually start that. So I started Pot Lovers Asia and that was like, hey, I have a, an excuse, right? A professional excuse. I have this podcast and it's about Asian podcasting. You know, pretty simple, relatively niche, etc. And it felt good. And it was aligned with like a gig at that time. So I got to like fly to Singapore and everything. So that was pretty good, right? I was pretty happy about that. Um, I'm going to Singapore to like lead a podcasting event. This is like some millennial who barely had any podcasting experience. But the fact that I was the first person, oh, not the first person, rather. I was willing enough to build a body of work centered around podcasting that people would trust me with the, the responsibility of leading a podcasting event. That warmed me because going there was, I, I was living breathing visible impact it's huge it's huge it's like when you have an electrifying conversation with someone and you just get this energy from them and then now you have your coffee for the day and you're done you're like wow i've made an impact on this person's life by just by talking to them and i want to live on this energy forever i feel like with enough energy from talking to people i could be immortal my physical body would perish, but you will remember me in memory and therefore I will be immortal. And maybe if these people that you interact with aren't your vessels anymore for your memory, your body of work will, right? The impact of your body of work will. That's why people write. That's why people podcast. That's why people make YouTube videos, etc. It's a beautiful thing. Most likely content creators I respect content creators a lot because, well, not the, uh, not the, uh, not the shitty ones, but like the ones with meaning, the deeper creators, maybe even the word content sucks, like creators, right? The knowledge workers, the, the, the ones in search of insight, the seekers, right? Let's call them seekers for now. I really respect seekers because on the pursuit of figuring out the medium of their choice, their journey has influenced and impact the lives of many by living in parallel with them. It's a form of 
love for self, which has this aura of loving others who followed their journey. Like I get proud of seeing people work in public. One person that I always like to look at on Twitter and I have this, you know, this routine, right? It's like, I always follow the same few people. One person that I like to follow on Twitter is Michael Ashcroft. Michael is great. Like, oh my goodness. What a, what a great bundle of energy. Such joy every time I see his, his, um, his Twitter. It's amazing because he's had this journey of, you know, full-time job and then he quit and he, now he's focusing on his courses and his Alexander Technique teachings, right? It's not pretty. Even he said it. It's not pretty. He's worried about this and that, you know, accounting, taxes, apps, tools, inefficiencies, figuring out work cycles, how to undistract yourself how to articulate something that's normally taught in a physical environment digitally, right? Like that's like unlocking the secrets of the universe because if you can coach something like that on Zoom, wow, freaking million dollar idea right there, right? It's just great to see what Michael's up to. I see that as a way of maybe when I see his stuff that I'm living in parallel with his journey because I follow his stuff so much and I'm trying to build things for myself as well, doing all these shows and I'm building a building, helping out with building a podcast agency here. And we are building up, you know, ideas for narratives and conversational podcasts for podcasters all around the world. And it's like, you know, we co-founded this shit. That's amazing. Like, wow. Can you imagine that 10 years of being lost in trying to find yourself ends up coming together, shaking hands and resulting in the answer that you have found love for yourself expressed in an externality that is accepted by society that is so aligned that it just makes you want to work, right? Like the greatest thing that you can work on is yourself. And if you can find a way to make it, you know, keep the passion alive, make it sustainable, make it earn money, your hobbies, your rest times, your thoughts, your work, they're all going to be one. They're all blended. Now, a lot of people may be thinking that I work a lot, too much. You know, that could be true. I, <laughs> I don't mind spending 10 to 12 hour days in front of the laptop, like doing or doing something about podcasts, right? It doesn't have to be specifically podcasting, but even just thinking about it or even writing about it. But I think I was on a search for a certain type of passion for connection. I want to connect with your character. I want to connect with what makes you burn. I want to be, I'm like an energy vampire, right? I, I thrive on energy <laughs> from an amazing conversation. <laughs> 10 years ago, maybe not so much. and But maybe, I mean, there's evidence there if the people I connected with the most at the time were gone. And I was just sad. And I thought maybe better to kill myself and then to better bear the burden of finding another place to seek that kind of energy. Five years ago, I was like that in Tokyo and then I left and then I was sad. 
and things were coming to an end and I had no safety net. When I had the safety net, I had the freedom to find other people to talk to. But now you have responsibilities and I didn't know how to face those responsibilities, like, you know, finding a job, whatever, whatever. And now I'm like, oh, right. I can't mess around as much anymore, right? A job is a job is a job. It's a nine to five. It's, it's a way to put food on the table. I can't talk with the food on the table. I need to eat it, right? I need to earn money. I need to pay my taxes, right? Stuff like that. And three years ago was the conscious decision to melt, like melt it or blend it all together, rather, to become something that is me. I'm very synonymous with my work because my work is me. I love my work. <laughs> Maybe it's that, right? Maybe it's just like, oh, how do I make my hobby the thing that I pay attention to my whole life? I guess it could be that. Just in search of powerful conversations for the past decade. And here I am contemplating on it now. So many thanks to you, Critter, for being a source of self-introspection for me. And I would like to say, well, thank you. And I would like to ask uh, for you, my dear friend, my dear listener, how have you grown in those intervals of time? Three years ago, five years ago, and 10 years ago, and thread them all together. To what extent are the patterns connected? Are they, are they, do they have commonalities, right? Do they have any interesting insights and quirks about yourself that you could never find unless you sit down and you're, you're staring at your, the sound waves on your screen as you're recording a podcast and I'm just going free flow with this, like barely any, I don't have any notes, right? I just wrote the, the years in which these, these time intervals uh, landed and ask yourself, what happened to you then? And how did you learn from it now? And with that being said, thank you so much. And I will see you in the next episode. Norm out. Mm -hmm.